0: for an absolute fact that that is your favorite music because when you hear it you know it's time for another episode of Hockey the Podcast. Welcome once again to the show with me Derek Alberts, and as always my partner in crime Tyron Jabu Barnard. Uh, We go into this on the back of a very special episode where we had a host of folks going over to Tokyo, Japan for the 2020 Olympic Games. Doesn't make this one any less special though. Because we've got a an old friend returning to the show. Speaking of old friends, how are you doing, Ty?
1: Yeah, good. I'm going to say good evening because it is night time as we record this, Derek. And uh, yeah, uh, always good to be back and chatting. You and I obviously have chatted a lot recently about golf, but it's great to have another hockey chat again. And uh, you know, lots is happening, and a lot is not allowed to happen. And If you want to know what's happening, there is very few people as well aligned as our guest tonight to get us up to date with all things hockey in this country.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. So without further ado, let's uh, get straight into it. I spoke about an old friend. Tell us, who's returning to the show?
1: Yeah, it's none other than the current SA Hockey Head of High Performance In other words, he um, signs off on the selection of the squads and the points, the coaches. He's also the man behind Hockey Junction and the Baloo Hockey Academy, um, who are doing some incredible stuff up here in Johannesburg, in Gauteng. Welcome to Alistair Fredericks. Welcome, Ellie. Thanks
2: for having me back, man.
1: Ah no, absolute pleasure. Al, obviously times have, uh, have been a bit interesting. I mean, we're chatting on the back of an announcement last week that the SA Schools Hockey Association, under guidance from the government, have once again suspended school sport, not club sport, only school sport, obviously, including hockey. Hockey often fits into that debatable window of contact versus not contact sport. Uh, but it is official, school hockey is once again postponed. I mean, as a man actively involved with Baloo, it must be frustrating for you, the coaches and the kids.
2: Yeah, it's been two years now that we've not had a single game of schools hockey. So everybody's kind of felt the, or bed the brunt of that. And, you know, to try and develop a schools program and having now to catch up another two years, whether it is the school system itself or whether it's the provincial system itself, you also need to bear in mind that we have not picked national under-18 squads for two years, so again, a lot of university students, or at least uh, possible university students, are losing out from you know getting proper scholarships based on what they actually achieve at these major school uh, IPTs, um, and everything's just snowballed um, obviously to affect schools hockey, and and again, it was safety precautions with regards to COVID, but luckily in that space, um, a lot of things have developed. Um, to keep the kids busy, um, including club and franchise hockey, so the alternatives were there, but just not events where, where guys can, where guys can actually, you know, achieve national success. So that's that's the only problem we've had.
0: Alissa, welcome to the show, Derek. Yeah, great to have you back. Uh, Thanks, you. I, I know it's a difficult one to quantify, but just in your own words, I mean, how big a setback is it on? Young developing players missing out on one to two years of uh, some of their best schoolboy careers when it comes to hockey. Yeah,
2: you know, it's it's a massive setback for a lot of provinces. Um, you know, one of the key the cornerstones of 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 how we create our players, you know, once they get to under twenty one in the nationals and the national setup, is creating these you know enigmas and these special players from the age group under sixteen and under eighteen. And the, the effect of this, we're probably going to feel in the next year or so, um, not having proper, you know, high-performance programs in place, not having proper IPTs for talent identification for, for, national, for national teams. And even, you know, the selection of our Olympics was, was one of the most difficult tasks that um, our coaching staff, our selectors, our conveners of selectors had to undertake with COVID issues popping up, finances... It's just been one terrible mess and we've finally managed to announce our Olympic teams and, and uh, you know, we're glad and hopefully, you know, we can get these oak safe and sound to the Games and they can go and perform for us there. But yeah, it's a, it's going to be a setback of at least two years to try and catch up.
0: Just continuing on that theme, have you also borne the brunt of that over at uh, Balu? Yeah,
2: Baloo we're quite... We're quite lucky at blue that we've got very good club structures so that's the first thing so a lot of our our top players in school play club hockey um obviously we've aligned uh, the north griffin franchise to uh the school itself and then our indoor still continued so in terms of a lot of our kids our top players especially they were continuing you know to play hockey in terms of being involved with other other forms of hockey activities um, um not just school activities so the school suffered because obviously we had no you know hockey for the various age groups, but as far as the kind of more top players in the college was co- in, concerned we we got them involved in other sorts of hockey, other formats of hockey, and they generally stayed active and we're hoping that you know again with under under eighteens under nine under eighteens under 16s postponed, we're hoping to have an under twenty one and we we definitely will be having a senior national event in this year.
1: Ellie, I mean, obviously, you know, you've you've created um, hockey opportunities for these kids, um, but uh, a, a lot of kids, this 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 is it, this is the pinnacle, and the opportunity to represent the country. A lot of kids would only ever make an under eighteen side; they won't go on and make senior national honours. And you know, how mm. becomes- I mean, how do you mentally prepare those kids, I, like? Uh, Not prepare, uh, what's the word? Heal those kids because this is, you know, we're almost entering into a a mental problem more than a hockey problem now.
2: Definitely, it's a massive mental problem. So you'll find in a lot of provinces where your league structures are not good, for example, junior league structures and even your senior leagues, those talented players in that province will probably suffer the most. Um, Generally in the bigger provinces, Western province, Natal, um, Southern Gauteng, the leagues are pretty strong. So those kids can continue to obviously play and try and make the senior science in there. But the problem, Tyron, is exactly what you're saying, is that when an under 18 wants to go to university, they get an opportunity to get a full scholarship, but they do compete against the rest of the country. So if you get there and you're not prepared and you're not going to get into a, for example, a Marty's program, um, you'll get invited to the 30-man squad, but you won't cut it. You know, that's you. You're studying for university, but you're not going to be playing for Marty's first side purely based on the fact that you did not You know, play at the level and standard that you should have six months prior to that in terms of prepping to play for a top-notch university like a Marty's or even a um, Tux. So the guys do. Obviously, um, uh, you can see that they don't stand out if they don't have this type of um, high level of competition and, and stay in it. So your local leagues are important. The standard of your local leagues are important. Your high performance inside your province is probably even more important. Who does the province identify who are the people that are coaching those players and what is the pathway that these coaches are creating for these guys after school and if it's the guys that are in university what are they creating for those guys to actually stand a chance to make a a national team so it all starts in your backyard and if you don't have those processes and the correct and the correct people in place um players suffer players don't develop and you end up with um Players that uh, who could have been proper hockey players, who at least achieved the top level, not even standing a chance against others who have been given the opportunity a bit more than the others. So it's it's all been unfair what COVID has done. It's you know it's it's um, IPT under twenty one was cancelled because provinces just couldn't select teams and, and it was a financial issue. Um, it's it's one of the biggest setbacks or at least you know problems that we have. You know players can't afford to pay eight nine thousand rand for a provincial tournament anymore. Not with COVID year the risks that we also take. So we've lost out on seriously good tournaments. And to catch up with those is just, you know, it's just getting to a stage now where we're not finding dates available for much.
1: Well, and Ali, with all, all the problems that arise with with this, obviously there is opportunity. And, and uh, one of those opportunities has er, er, arisen in the form of both JHL and Hockey Junction. Uh, jhl obviously at a smaller level you're a part of it with the Northside griffins but let's talk about hockey junction obviously a lot of people don't have club structures for youth hockey um or have very under uh what is the word under facilitated club structures and and you know away from playing just um away from just playing school hockey which has been uh, really lost to the kids over the past year with COVID. Mm. There was an opportunity and, and yourself, Reza, uh, it's Reza Rosenberg and Malrick Maddox have come together and, and formed Hockey Junction. Um, I was uh, there with you at uh, your your recent Intercity at Baloo for the finals, which was absolutely a fantastic day, a fantastic experience. I mean, tell us a little bit about your your Hockey Junction dream, your Hockey Junction objective and, and where it is, you see Hockey Junction going in the future?
2: Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, we're not even a year old and, and Hockey Junction has really achieved a lot in terms of what the objectives was. And And I kind of took the JHL model and I must admit, I had a meeting with the JHL guys to formally actually take JHL to the rest of the country with the connections that I've got. Unfortunately, didn't agree on the business model that they wanted to reduce. And I slayed in bed and one morning, three o'clock, I just decided to call it Hockey Junction and structure it in a way that, you know it also allow us to create junior hockey in provinces where there was no hockey existent in, in terms of junior level. I targeted my old province, Northern Cape, and I, I brought in Free State first and we launched you know four franchises there. In no time, we had over 900 kids registered from under 12 right through to under 18. never been done before, ran the first event there over a weekend and it was an absolute success just to have those kids actually have an opportunity to play, especially from the, the cost-effectiveness of the event um, in, and what we as Hockey Junction came in with and what we allowed our franchise owners to charge the kids and, and help there where we had to help kids that could not play. So just getting hockey off the ground there was a miracle, and we did. It was a good event. And then this thing just suddenly sparked and grew, and it's, you know, I went to Port Elizabeth. We launched five, six franchises there. We ran a series there. No hockey ever been played um, at junior level. In Port Elizabeth, so that was also a first for us. And suddenly, we're sitting with a few franchises now. In is London that's launching the series now with four franchises. We've got Cape Town launching the first to the eighth, uh, the first to the fourth of of, of uh, July. And then, obviously, my biggest my biggest uh, number of franchise was from Gauteng, and we've ran two or three successful series here. We've got club or at least franchise owners that are. Fully booked from under 12 straight through to under 18. And it's never been seen, never been done. We've also launched in Mpumalanga and we've got in Limpopo, And again, we've kind of empowered a lot of non-white top coaches to own these franchises. And that was one of the key things that also has made it very successful. A lot of the guys who have been marginalized in the past, never given a club to own, have now actually got ownership of franchises. And these Oaks are excited. They're working and they're developing players that have never been given an opportunity ever. And so the model of Hockey Junction is nearly, you know, given entrepreneurship, one, a massive push from a hockey perspective. I've created these entrepreneurs. It's also empowered a lot of non-white guys. We're 95% non-white owned. And I don't want to make it a colour issue, but I know how, again, a lot of our our top non-white Oaks are just subjected to being the normal coach, and you'll be the ball boy, and you'll do this. Now these guys own franchises. They become businessmen. They're dealing with parents. They're setting up proper training structures. They're participating in brilliant hockey junction events where it's competitive, well-run, you know, live-streamed, and all of those things. So the whole business principle has really sparked, and um, we're looking at the Northwest now. And, and uh, as, we, as, we, as we're going, it's just it's just continuously growing, and I'm just getting you know asked if we can open up a franchise, open up a franchise. And somewhere, somewhere along the line, you've got to obviously refuse because you've got these guys. So hockey junction is really, you know, up uh, what we can do at junior level. I definitely want to make sure that from a Saha perspective, once Saha um, has got a task team together as to how they're going to handle, handle affiliate hockey, I really want to, you know, partner with them in terms of that. But I am excited, like you said, to announce that for the first time. I mean, I've got, you know, Northern Cape, uh, they parted with me when he did that, the Eastern Province Hockey Federation. And now I've got Eastern Gauteng that has allowed us to host a winter games, which again is a business or at least an event that I won't tell you a word of a lie. A couple of years ago, I mentioned this to Gary Dolly. I've even said it to Southern Gauteng that a winter festival for kids that don't make provincial tournaments is one of the most, I think it's one of the most brilliant ideas that you can have. So even if you do have an IPT and all the elite players go um, to you know the various events, there is so many kids that don't get an opportunity to go on an IPT. And I was going to call it the SA Futures Tournament. No support. And I have decided, well, you know, with Eastern Gauteng, I've just signed with them and said to them, listen, we're doing an annual event. It's going to be called the HJ Winter Cup. We're going to host it every year in Eastern Gauteng. It will be under 10, under 12, sorry, to under 19 boys and girls. And whoever don't make IPTs, our franchise guys have now got access to these players. And we provide them with a, another superb event. So they can also feel what it is to be going away, playing a few games of hockey and then going back. So, yeah, um, we will still be branching out. More events are coming up in terms of what Hockey Junction is going to be offering. We're looking at doing a national indoor event, much similar to PSI. A lot of our Hockey Junction franchises, kids don't play PSI. And, again, we want to we wanna bring a product in that is cost-effective. We want to bring a product in that will be mass-based in terms of people learning how to play indoor. And I think Johannesburg hosting at first would be the perfect venue to really launch this uh, launch this this business that we're starting, so yeah, Tyson Hockey Junction has taken me to another level in terms of what I want to do for other franchise owners, kids, um, and just to grow the game. You just grow the game, let people see how these kids play on live stream, and parents see how their kids can grow within a structured environment. And of course, to make sure that all the provinces where there's no junior hockey, we've got junior hockey now happening, and we do it through this conduit.
0: Alice, uh, when I hear the word franchise, I I get excited because we know what the American model is based around, and that's around franchises across uh, the big four sports, uh, the likes of uh, basketball, American football, ice hockey, and baseball. However, when it comes over to South Africa, it's been very hit and miss, and we look at the rugby. Uh, For example, I think franchises, we don't quite know what they're operating at the moment. Uh, Super Rugby went the franchise way, uh, and then... The provincial side of things, not so much. Cricket uh, franchises have dissolved. Uh, it, it lasted for about ten years, and then they went back to the provincial unions. But it does sound, and it does appear, like you are certainly onto a very, very good thing. What makes this so successful? And 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 what's? I don't want to say what's the secret because I don't want to give you. I don't want you to give away your secrets. But what yeah. sets this apart from? From others. And I'm not saying okay, this is hockey, we're talking other sports, but I mean franchise the franchise system has definitely failed here in South Africa with other sports. But this time around, this looks like to be a different story.
2: So the most important thing you know, when you when you want to start a franchise business, I think, is one is to identify the people that you want involved in your business. I literally headhunted every person that wanted to own or wasn't wanted to um, that wanted to be involved with hockey junction. From a franchise perspective. It was a no-brainer. And the other thing that's most important is that you've got to come in with proper costs so that you, as the franchisee, can look after your franchise owner. And that is what you know attracted the guys. You know, we're not coming in here with exorbitant amounts of monies. We make sure that we can run the event for you as a franchise owner. And we make sure that we can give you a costing that is going to be able to come for you to come in at a very low cost. So it was, you know, finding the franchise owner. Managing um, to basically, you know, get the fees to a a proper amount of money where, you know, they could make some revenue. And also making sure that every event we run is properly structured, whether it's a league format, whether it's a four-day, five-day tournament. That was what we wanted to make. Make it as special as possible. And I think that is what has sold, you know, um, the business itself and from a marketing perspective. So, so it's, it's, it's always important that you've got to have people that believe in what you do. And, and again, it's a lot of administration. It's a lot of parents that you're involved with. But you can see that these parents want to be part of an identity. So they want to be part of the Northside Griffins. They want to be part of the, the Hawks and the Knights. Um, you know, and, and once you've got an identity and you've got a quality product in terms of the coaching staff that provides that quality product, quality kit, you know, you you're putting a program in where my kid is growing as a player. That little 12-year-old will go through through two under 18s with you and become literally part of your business. And, and I think the beauty of the of the of the franchise, of, of how we set up the franchise uh, uh, structure is what has really sold it to, to the guys that I've actually got involved. And, and 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 I best believe I've I've already looked at another model that we're gonna bring in, you know, with regards to soccer and cricket, because I know that there is a market for those for those sports and I know where they're not structured. So yeah, that, that, that can open up the doors for a
0: lot of other stuff, exciting stuff. Yeah, that actually leads me to my next question, because do, do you see this being the way of the future for sport in South Africa? Because we, we look at what the Sharks did, because effectively it's, it's privatising um, the, the the unions or, or or the teams. And, of course, a, a consortium from the States came in and uh, bought a huge chunk of the Sharks, and they're pretty much mm. a, a private firm now, almost. And, I mean, this has been the way of the land in the States for as long as they've been playing. Mm. And, and and we've seen how successful that model has been, and there's been no changes. They've continued to go from strength to strength in terms of their talent, in terms of the money coming in, in terms of the fans, in terms of the viewership, the works. I mean, the numbers just climb year in, year out. South Africa, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, we see fans mm. not tuning in. We see uh, unions um, like absolutely bleeding cash. And, and this certainly, saw, I mean, people have been screaming, privatize, privatize, for the last couple of years, yeah. and it looks as if it's starting to gain momentum. We look at you, we look at the Sharks, and I'm sure it's just gonna pick up steam.
2: So, so a lot of the problems that, that these big unions face is that they work from the top down. You can't work from the top down. Your money literally lies at the bottom. So if, if you're a province and you don't have a good club structure in place, you need to reinvent yourself and say to yourself, how can we make junior hockey be different? How do we get, you know, all my clubs or all those involved in a different format of the game? And how do we, you know, structure a franchise type um, of competition that will generate more revenue for us as a province? It will make us identify more talent as a province. We can now run a structured league because we're sitting with 15 hockey junction franchises in the province and you're still not, you know, endorsing it. You're You're sitting with club, you're sitting with a junior club structure that is falling apart. How do you merge those two and make these people understand that? So the, 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 the provinces themselves, and again, it's again all about leadership. Leadership is scared to change uh, because of the old ways, and they always want to stay that way. They're not, they're not used to looking at it. And a good example is what Eastern Cowateng has done, and they've admitted that their junior program has never, ever taken off. Suddenly, I've launched three franchises in that province. There is over 2,000 junior players registered with those three province, with those three franchises. Those guys have got access to all the under twelves all the under fourteens, all the under 16s, and all we're going to do we're going to put a structure in place for Eastern Hauteng hockey and those and and again you will see how that province booms in terms of what they do so the, the association is now saying yo here's, here's a here's a here's a proper platform where we can get some revenue in we don 't even have to lift our fingers we just endorse these products and we make these guys grow because they did not have anything in place in there so again. Biggest thing is the leadership of the various organizations within the provinces. they got to have that attitude that, you know what, if we don't try it, we won't know if it will work, but give it a go. And then it's identifying the people that can make it work for you because if it's not run proper, if it's not put in place properly, if the costings are not done right, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to come off. But the model is there. It's easy to implement. People must just not be scared about it and you see how the sport will grow. It,
0: it, it leads me to the next question as well, and uh, you, you covered it pretty well. And again, I'm talking uh, across the board in terms of sports, not necessarily hockey, but I could envisage that another massive benefit from a, a, a franchise system, a, a, um, uh, a commercialized system, a uh, privatized system, is that it also eliminates a lot of administrators and, more importantly, red tape. When decisions need to be made, there's not a whole bunch of jumping through hoops and going through different unions and going through different head bodies, etc. It's literally going to the top of your yeah. franchise. Can we do this? Yay or nay? Great, let's go with it. No, we can't. Sorry, we can't. Instead of having to yeah. just jump around because that, I mean, from the fans' perspective, I mean, the amount of nonsense that gets uh, comes, comes through in media as, as to how many administrators are involved. And again, I'm not specifying yeah. with hockey, just in any oh, sport yeah. in general. Uh, I, yeah. I just think you know, to eliminate all of that it's, it's can, only, can only benefit the sport.
2: So so one of the biggest things that I've done since I've become a hockey administrator is understand how both of those work. And I used to run a club called New Rovers where we used to have an executive and You know, before you make a decision, you got to get, you know, you got to get everybody now, you know, who are on the table to vote on the decision that you made. And, and with that club, we never ever went forward because we were always fighting about who must do this or who don't do that. We can't, we're not allowed to do this. If you're not running your club as a business in today's world, you will not succeed. And the problem that we have with when we're running, you know, clubs and organizations with a whole bunch of a committee is that everybody wants to micromanage each other and nobody gets given the task of saying, listen, this is your development role. Focus on development. There's your budget. Go do what you need to do. We want to make sure that everybody else on the table is voting on that person's role. So whether it's development, whether it's high performance, whether it's finance, roles are not given to be conducted in the sense of you are given the responsibility, you will be accountable. Our guys want to micromanage in every part of our organizations. You see this micromanage, all voting, and nobody ever gets this thing going forward. So it needs to be run as a business. Decisions must be made that's going to affect, you know, the club's um, in terms of financially in terms of what the high performance program is in terms of other developing p- players in terms of how they actually make the club become a successful your marketing your social media you know, and your websites those are key things that now from a children's perspective is what makes you grow so if you don't have that you know in your organization you're ready you know going up against other hockey clubs and franchises that are 10 times better than you so those are all the things that you need to do to make sure that you buck up as a as a club, as an organisation. And I face that at the highest level, and I face it at club level, where you see these clubs just don't develop year in year out. They're fighting, and they're just not going forward. And it's not good for the specific sport that you're involved in with regards to that.
1: Yeah, Ali, and 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 let's talk administration. You know, we we're slightly mm. moving away here from. Um, Hockey Junction and more to, uh, you know, SA Hockey, but uh, a little bit where the crossover exists. Here. And, and, and for me, you know, we have players like Justin Reed Ross who have called it for years. Um, mm. But does something like Hockey Junction, is that something South African hockey needs to start considering? And, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a Hockey Junction. We know there's Cape Town Premier League. We know there's JHL. And there are a whole mm. bunch of other things. But if we are getting more kids to play, should we not have our selectors watching that? Are the days of IPT being your selection model for a national team, are those days slowly starting to be numbered, in your opinion? Or, or should they be? You know, Should we be looking that that players should not be selected only from those that can afford to go to an IPT mm. if we have access to more?
2: Yeah. So, so you know, we, we, we when it comes to our national, you know, association, um, you know, we, we're not an organization that, you know, gets in a lot of money and sponsors and we really go out of a way to try and get our national teams to the various events, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I do agree with you that if we don't change the way IPTs are, are run, it's going to become mundane. And we all, you know, when we sit around the table, we do look at ways that we can get this. But unless we, you know, model our IPTs to be run almost like a franchise, but we have to get a sponsor on board that sponsors our national events. Our biggest problem now is that provinces don't bring their strongest teams because almost 25% of those players can't afford to actually pay for IPT. So if you're going to go the franchise route, then you tell a province, let's have a franchise in each province, find a business partner, partner that can actually get involved with that. And SAR so could own the product, you know, own the product. So there's many ways to skin that cat. If our leadership again, you know, we've had proposals brought up, and again, we our CEO needs to obviously see how we can make this game grow in terms of the juniors and also a, a more professional architecture. And again, it's about decisions, it's about leadership, it's about taking the risks as to changing how we operate. And I don't think at this stage we are, are taking that those risks. Again, COVID is obviously a massive impact on how SAR has been run over the last couple of um, last couple of months. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see once we're back to normal, what our organization will try to implement to really make hockey a bit more vibey at senior level. And if we can get, you know, a massive sponsor on board for for our national event. Our national event is by, by no means, you know, they can call it, we can say it's getting a bit boring, but it's the only place where we can have equal opportunity for anybody to be selected as a national player. So it's important that local players make their provincial side and that they get selected on merit. And then they come to the national event and that is where they've got to strut their stuff in and work to be into, into one of those national sites. But then again, due to finances, you find that Dick, Tom and Harry can't attend an IPT because they can't afford it. So we need to find a financier or company that says, Endorse national events. It's got to be the flagship of South African hockey. Bring the franchise vibe to it, um, but it still remains the only event that you can obviously be selected from. that. the yeah. PHL, obviously the Premier Hockey League, that was an that was an amazing event, and and that's where we can maybe look at again in the future of bringing the franchise system in with regards to senior hockey.
1: Yeah, well, well, I was I was chatting with uh, somebody. That I, that I can't say right now who it was, but recently and, and you know obviously there is this push for hockey fives globally to grow. South Africa attending an event in Switzerland uh, later this year, the inaugural event. Uh, you know I think it's our women's side that are going. And uh, is that not the exact format of the game that we should look at PHL you know from a cost point of view, it would lower lower the cost significantly. You could play it over two weekends. You could play it over a month. But, you know, you'd have less teams traveling. Um, hockey Fives definitely opens itself up to that. And again, as hockey lovers, I think, uh, you know, we we can sit and say, yes, we don't like Hockey Fives because we prefer indoor hockey. Yeah. But it's there. It's there. And if we don't embrace it, we're going to be left behind.
2: Definitely. Again, we as ISA Hockey got to embrace the fact first that we are the custodians of hockey in South Africa. That's the first thing. The second thing is we have got to come up with these ideas and ways and means of making and keeping the game, you know, more exciting for our clients, which is our provinces, which is every school kid, every parent. And how do we do that? We look at new types of events. We look at how we can restructure how we run. Um, We look at, um, you know, changing the way we run in IPT, like I just said. Um, we, we've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to stop blaming everybody for, you know, us not having money. as saw so when we've got franchises that are generating revenue that could have gone straight to our province or our, Southern, our South African Hockey Association. So so as an organization, we should be in charge of saying, listen, here's a, here's a franchise event we want to run. We want to just make revenue from it, but we're going to engage people to get involved and we're going to run Hockey 5s. And I love that idea, Tyson. Here's an idea. Let's go Hockey 10s. Let's do a 10s over the long weekend in September. It's endorsed by Saw, Cost you X amount of money, but they own that product. You know, and we've got Sevens Hockey. And then we go Junior Under 13 Festival. You're we hosting that as, as Saw, just changing how they look at how they can make their revenue strings work, but also giving us a better product, a better event, a better all of that for everybody say you know what i want to be a part of that i want to play in that but again it comes down to leadership it's the people that everybody you know elects when we have our election meetings you you, you you're putting people into spaces that probably sometimes can't handle that portfolio and the same principles exist when people select people in provincial levels uh, you just find those guys that just don't understand how to to change the way things should be running so Guys, I, I agree with you with regards to just changing the way we see things and the way we're doing things.
0: Alistair, we go into this episode on the back of a very special one, as I mentioned at the top of the show, with the announcement of the men's and women's sides uh, doing duty over in Tokyo. Of course, uh, you were heavily involved uh, being the head of high performance, uh, having to, to sign off on the squads. And uh, yeah. Uh, of course, uh, I can imagine very, very happy with the selections that were made. And uh, how, how did things differ uh, this time around uh, compared to the past? Of course, COVID playing a big role. Um, mm-hmm. Happy with, with what transpired and, and the, the folks that we'll be sending over to, to Japan?
2: Yeah, no, it was, you know, and I must take my hat off to all our conveners and our selectors and even the players, you know, trying to be part of a program that is kind of almost virtual, with our national coaches traveling around the country, trying to host, you know, holding camps and trying to host uh, training camps and trying to see who's the best players that they can, you know, you know, keep in the system. You know, last year with us not being able to leave our yards, the guys went out of their way to dev- design and develop programs that made our, our national players run around in their yards, pick up, uh, you know, what freezers, uh, uh, dishwashers, whatever it is. They had to find and, and recreate. You know, an environment where they've still got to stay fit and strong and mentally strong. And that's the problem. The mental part was trying to keep them there. The final selection of the squads was also just lots of COVID issues and, you know, putting the right people in place, making sure our selectors So it was one tough job to have got to where we were. Uh, Massive difference, obviously. uh, You saw our squads are representative. We, You know, one of the things Saskatchewan said, we've got to be 50% representative of players of colour. Our coaching staff, our selectors... Our conveners have achieved that target. Um, we're very happy with that. Um, we're very chuffed with the people that they've selected. We obviously, as SRK, have to support what our guys select. Lots of players lost out. I'm sure, Tizer, you've seen on social media some of the guys hurting and letting it out. Some of the ladies hurting, letting it out. But that's, you know, that is what it is. Our teams have been selected. We're now going to prep as well as we can with regards to getting, um, you know, the team as, as as good and as strong as possible. Make no mistake, we've got two unreal strong pools for both the ladies and men. And uh, it's going to be defend, defend, defend. And if we get a chance, we've got to take that chance. And all we want from our teams is just to go and give their best. And uh, with both teams, we've got some really you know, awesome and dynamic players um, that have joined the squad. And, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing them. So it's, 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 it was not an easy job. And I think it's a, a job well done by Saw in the end.
0: I'm sure you said it in person to to a lot of them, but for any that didn't uh, get your pills of wisdom, any advice that you can offer when it comes to Olympics? You, of course, having represented South Africa back in 1996 at Atlanta.
2: That's correct. It's, it's such a difficult pill to swallow. After all the hard work you put in, um, some guys would think it's unfair. You know, we've got a mass base of, of overseas players. You've got to keep track of what they're doing. Are they going to fit into the system? Both men's and ladies, obviously. You've got people call it coaches' favourites. You've got oaks that you think are gonna make the side, and they don't make the side. You know, you just got to work as hard as you can. You got to actually be the one that's, you know, when you play and when you, when you, when you actually, you know, doing your training sessions, you, you showing the coach that you, you do the best you can. And again, I can sit here and tell you that the oaks are. You now, you don't didn't take it personally, but a lot would have taken it personally. A lot would have said, you know, and, oh, you know. Diane Kasim's made the team, but I think I'm better than him. And, you know, you've got to just live with those comparisons that they will make at the end of the day. And and we've got to believe with the team that we've picked that we're going to go out there. Again, the coaches will be held accountable if our teams don't perform because they're the ones at the end of the day that we kind of say, listen, are you happy with this team? Are you good to go with this team? And if they say they're good to go and they're the ones that have left somebody that should have been in that team out, best believe they will bear the brunt come the start of the games those players that you bet that should not have been selected, they will be the ones that will disappoint you, and unfortunately, because it's an international event, it will be noticed. And all you're doing is you just, you know, throwing yourself under the bus as being, you know, people that don't select player, you know, teams based on talent or whatever they can offer. But uh, because I knew and I, I knew a guy, and, and all of those things. So yeah. We, 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 it's a tough one, but you just got to stick with it. We've got a lot of youngsters that are coming through. There's probably going to be four or five retirements after the Olympic Games, both the ladies and men. And the bunch coming through, Tyler knows, is exciting. And we got to keep those kids hungry because not long, next year's Commonwealth Games and World Cup. So these guys have got everything to play for that is knocking on the door. If you sit back now and you want to cry crocodile tears, somebody else is going to say, you know what? Perfect. Let him sit and cry there, I'm going to go gym, I'm going to get onto that field, and I'm going to make sure that when that Olympic side comes back and I go to IPT, I will be in the next 45-man SMN squad. So it's all up to you from a personal perspective as to where you see yourself in two years' time. But, you know, South Africa will always be involved in international hockey, and if you feel that you don't want to, you know, do the best you can to represent us, there is too many talented players in this country to still worry about players that... You know, take things personal and say, "Oh, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm I'm done now." Um, It's like it's like it's like um, you know, being on a on on an executive. People think they're gonna. It's there for longevity. If you finish, you finish. You're done. People just replace you. The the show must go on, and that is exactly what will happen if you sit back as a player, not having made the Olympic side. The show needs to go on. Either be a part of the show or sell fat cakes or something somewhere. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, Ali probably the the toughest um, role in these Olympic squads is obviously only sixteen players, which is which is touch tough. Um, but it's those three players that are the travelling reserves because uh, you know you you are going to be part of the experience, but you aren't in the squad. Um, you know and. <laughs> Yeah. You, 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 as much as you want to be part of it, you don't want to go sit there and, and hope for one of your players to be injured. You know, what would, what would your advice be to the likes of uh, Ryan Julius, Morrison, Murray, Tony Marks, Tyson, the I mean, they're going, they're they're going to the Olympics. They'll be there with the team, but ultimately uh, it wasn't their turn this time, um, but it could still yeah. be their turn. It's, it's, it's a very tough position to to be selected into, in my opinion.
2: You know, um, I, I always look at Tyson's posts and, you know, he's one of those kids that don't, he don't care if he's if he's playing, if he's just on the sideline and he's part of it. But again, he's got an attitude of, listen, I'm going to Olympic Games. You know, if I get that chance, I'm going to get that chance. But for me, for those, for that lot, I mean, just to be part of this amazing event, that's already a feather in your cap. And yeah, they don't want to hope and wish somebody gets injured, but, you know, if the opportunity arises, if something's happened to somebody, they're there to step in. So they need to understand that they have a massive responsibility to make sure that they are still sticking with what the team is doing, preparation, mentally preparing themselves. And when they get to the village, they need to be as, as tuned in as that team that's going to play that first game against the Germany or in Australia. And they'll be sitting in that stand and they'll be ready and waiting. So, so, so for them, it's just got to be positive, positive, positive. Um, and the experience needs to be one that is humbling, you know, one that is saying, you know what, I, I got the opportunity. I didn't play maybe after the games, but I was a part of this whole experience. And next time, I want to be in the team. So, massive motivator factor, factor for them to, to be a part of this thing, definitely.
1: Yeah. And, and I just want to circle around now. I, you know, we we're going to put a pin in the, the, the Olympics and put a pin in that squad. I want to circle back to Hockey Junction obviously yeah. some cool announcements that we've seen, we've seen, uh, and, and excuse me, if I get it wrong, that you've partnered with planet stream. Uh, you partnered Correct. with uh, planet hockey. Um, you know, we, you've got the, the winter cup coming up now, Angela. You've also got the intercity next year, taking part in Uh Correct. Where uh, obviously you'll be looking to have, uh, uh, go and take all the trophies back from the bloomhawks. <laughs> but yeah, um, Anything else that people should be aware of or where can they check everything out to make sure they are up to date with what's happening in Hockey Junction?
2: So they can always go on to our Facebook page to check on all the information with the various franchise owners in the various provinces. Uh, the other way that we obviously do is just to you know, send Hockey Junction an email if they need to know anything about um, any of the provinces and who the guys that are there that are operating there. And yeah, you're right. The idea for Orchid Junction is just to make sure we organize our franchise owners as many events as possible with the introduction of Indoor hockey coming now. And I can tell you now, Fives is on the cards. And just, you know, change it and just, you know, change it up and give everybody an opportunity to be a part of it. We're so looking forward to the next Intercity, but we've had to because of numbers and sizes. We've divided that up into two age groups, so under 12, 14s in March and April, under 16, 18s. And that's massive and Bloemfontein, I think will be ready to host us. They've got, you know, anything from between six and 10 astroturfs. So it's perfect for what we want to do and, you know, how much we want to grow. And yes, yeah. you know, um, we, we're looking at obviously getting involved with Gary Dolly's project now. Where we're going to be donating some money towards, you know, um, the growing of hockey in terms of his development program. Um, he's got an absolutely incredible program and, uh, you know, they've been going on for years and, he, you know, he needs the equipment. He needs that. I think that's the type of, partnerships we as okijunction Junction want to do and want to get involved involved with where you can see meaningful changes being made in schools and you know how Gary operates um he operates his programs. So you'll probably see that in the next months or two and uh, and um, and hopefully we can uh, help them you know get to a level where they can. So so um, yeah lots to look forward to with Hockey Junction.
1: Yeah Ellie and, and I'll put it out there I am looking forward to a time when we can have the Intercity in the Northern Cape. Imagine going to go do the Intercity. Oh, I mean, obviously, venues are a bit of a challenge, but imagine yeah. if we just go do the under-18 no, Intercity we, we, there.
2: We're we definitely looking at giving them a section. So, so yeah, they'll be definitely involved in Intercity next year. So we'll put down the under-14s or under-12 girls there so that they've got something. And they've got a massive AstroTurf facility, either two turfs coming up at the Sol Plaiki University um, so hopefully they'll have three Astros there very soon. So, yeah, yeah that'll, be, that'll
1: be special. I mean, and obviously we've seen that uh, Marek Maddox, Seizoum Tembu, guys who have grown up in Poor Kimberley, in Kimberley. the Northern Cape, are national players. We see that Sharnae Maddox, Marek's uh, sister, is it's crazy. A, she's it's, going to the Olympic yeah. Games. I mean, let's, let, it's great. It's great to see a region that is so rich in South African hockey history being recognised now and a lot of that work is down to what you the Hockey Junction and also uh, PSI have done in empowering so areas it's fantastic it's to see a,
2: it's amazing the amount of talent that, that that province has produced and where that talent is lying now outside of that province and the same with probably three states but yeah there's some amazing talent and you know Balooz is like whatever hunting grounds we're going to look for kids there
0: <laughs> lovely Alice of Fredericks it's been so great having you on the show once again, uh, it was highly informative. I, I loved listening to to the the massive impact that you've had uh, on hockey yeah, throughout South Africa the, the, the last uh, couple of years or decades, rather. Um, but, yeah, congratulations on all that you have done and continue to do for the sport in the country. Thank you so much, guys. And, and beyond. Thank yeah. you so much. No, but believe me, the pleasure is all ours. Uh, Alice, uh, uh, yeah, uh, best of luck for the upcoming Olympics, given the fact that you are so heavily involved. Uh, we wish our men and ladies all of the best. And uh, we do hope to have you on the show once again soon for The Three Beat. Thank you so much,
2: guys. Have a great evening, Ferdinand. Stay safe. Cheers, Al. Bye.
1: Cheers, Yeah, Derek, some amazing stuff happening with Hockey Junction, amazing stuff happening with uh, Club Hockey. And, you know, m- most importantly, I think, you know, whether it's Hockey Junction, whether it's JHL, whether it's uh, CPL down in Cape Town, whether it's anything else that I'm not aware of, i love the idea of giving kids an opportunity Uh, you know COVID has robbed us and we have uh, done our best to give an opportunity back and and that's what it's all about for me if uh, if a kid is happy and safe then let's get them on a turf
0: yeah couldn't agree more time congratulations smashed it out the park once again a terrific guest uh, but uh, we expect nothing less from you. Thanks uh, for joining me as always. And thank you, you to you, the listeners, for tuning in once again to another episode of Hockey, the podcast. Uh, I think we're edging towards uh, the 80 mark soon, just around the corner. Have a great one and uh, we'll see you in a week's time. Cheers. Yes.